There is in all of our lives, I think from time to time, this unspoken but frequently asked question among all of us. I think maybe it's a question uh, many of us ask as we get older and we look at the, we start looking back at the life that's behind us. I know it's happening more and more frequently for me now as I get a little older. Uh, look, begin looking back and asking questions and, and many of them that there are no answers for. But I know that I'm probably not alone in the asking of it. <clears throat> the, the questions kind of come in several forms, but the context and the content are pretty similar. Is this it? Is, is this what God intended? Am, am I really at 61 years old where God intended for me to be? Am I living what God intended for me to live? Uh, did I miss something? Did I, did I miss an opportunity? Was I not brave enough when I needed to be brave? And though most of us kind of strongly blame ourselves for those in that assessment and, and causes an internal review for us when we begin to look at it, especially if it's an outcome that you didn't want, we do have a tendency to blame ourselves. We review a lot of things looking for, for reasons why, but we also consider internally what life would be like if some factors, if some moments, some relationships might have been different. Now, again, you, you may be one of these that doesn't do this at all. You don't look back at all. Uh, if you do, I admire you. I have a tendency probably too much to reflect on the what ifs and the what could have beens. I'm much better at it than I used to be when I was about 10 years ago. It was one of those, uh, I think, that I processed a lot. The Lord has done a lot in me over the last nine years and calmed a lot of those questions. But I do know that for the biggest part of my life, I ask those kind of things. Does my life right now stand for what I want it to stand for? Have I lived the fullness of what God intended? Am I putting on display the best of the best that God has for me? Or have I somewhere in this process settled for something far less? We bounce statements around in our culture and it's, it's very common. I'm a product of my environment. How many of you believe that? Well, there's, there's a whole lot about that I'd like to say is true. But it seemed like when somebody does something wrong, they never put the neighbors in jail. So it's like, I'm not sure just exactly how much we can blame the environment for the things that we do. We look at things like our parents' values, the culture where I grew up and the things that people liked and didn't like, the wealth that we had or the poverty that we experienced, the unfair teachers who, who didn't understand us. The punishment that I got that I didn't deserve. Anybody ever get any of that? Yeah, I remember, man, about sixth or seventh grade, somebody left soap out in the shower and Coach Dindy came in and nobody would say who did it. So, you know, what would the logical thing be to do if somebody did something like that and nobody said who did it? Yeah, punish everybody. That's exactly right. Lined us up. Two licks each going out the door. Send us to the next class just like that. And they were hard. And, and that didn't happen but once. That, I know it happened twice. I think it happened three times. And there we were being punished unfairly. And I'm sure it scarred me. I don't know what all it did, but I'm, I'm sure I'm still having a hard time getting over it, as you can probably tell. I could take you to the place in that old gym. It's still standing. I could take you to the door where we were standing. But I'm over it. I'm over it now. It's like it's just a distant memory. We can blame neighbors, we can blame families, communities, schools, the fate of our own lives. We can look everywhere 
But the question then boils down to who is responsible for my story? Where do I have to look to find accountability and responsibility for my story? Every piece of that teaching is true because we teach here that our lives are often very, very directly impacted by something that someone said or something that someone did. I deal with enough people in my office on a regular basis to recognize that people are hurting many, many years later because of something that was said to them as a child. I know that to be true. I don't deny any of that, especially in the questions of deliverance. We know that someone's heart was broken, their lives were shaken, something happened traumatic to them when they were little, and it gave them an identity and they carry it forward and they need answer and they need help and they need God in that moment. I still deal with so many adults who are carrying identities out of childhood because of something that was done to them. I accept that and I teach that. And I teach that in deliverance, you have to recognize that you were a victim or you'll refuse the healing that God wants to do. But, but here's the point. With every piece of that being true, that we are very, very directly, very abruptly sometimes hurt by the things of our past. And, and we've been shaped by those the fact that we are profoundly affected by our history. Many arrows, and we know this, many arrows and many insults have found us as their mark. And I would imagine that all of us here could stand and tell of some of those that have happened to us. Many of us, many people, have gotten a very, very unfair start to life. Many are forgotten and many are neglected. So again, we can find a thousand reasons a thousand places and a thousand ways to excuse the choices that I'm making now and that make up my story. However, and this is the truth, I don't care what your story is. I don't care what all the factors are. How much God has shown you and how much God has led you, there is a moment in all of our stories where we have to choose. I remember when Amanda came the first time and shared her testimony. And I know there's pieces of it that I probably won't get right, but I know that she shared in the beginning of, the, of her testimony when she shared it the first time that she said, I don't know how many vans that the police, when the police would arrest her and put her in a van, she said, I don't know how many of those things I have torn up. Just the violence that was inside me. And she talked a lot about her story, about her history. She told the story in her testimony that, She'd gotten into her car and every day as she was on her way to work, she was an accountant in South Africa. And every day when she would put her, get in her car, she would put in the same CD playing The Great Pretender. And she said that day, she put the little cassette in, she slid into the slot and the music that started playing was One Day at a Time, Sweet Jesus. She said she hit the eject button and threw it as hard as she could against the back glass and it bounced down and fell in the floorboard behind her. And she reached down again and got it and put it in. And she said, as she's driving, this gun is across her lap. This pistol is in her lap. She has the weapon with her, the plan in her mind and the determination in her heart that this is the day. She's gonna end it all today. And she puts that cassette in and starts listening to one day at a time, sweet Jesus. She said she opened the car door and got down on her knees outside that car and cried out to God, says, if you're real, you've gotta change my life right now. And that was the beginning of her story. Maybe very unfair reality within our current story. Broken relationships, who knows what all is there. But I will tell you, for every one of those things that we can look at and we can point back to, 
whether they were the, we were just extremely blessed or extremely poor. Every one of us can look at our circumstances and situations, but here's the truth. Whatever that past is, whatever has been back there, every one of us have to come to the reality that it is our opportunity to choose that, that that life does not have to define us. We all have the responsibility, we all have the privilege, and we all have the right to choose something different. Bad life or great one, frustrated existence or absolute blessing, we must make these choices for ourselves. When Jay left college and we took him to Portland, I didn't know, I don't think his mother knew which direction Jay was going to go. He may have known it, we certainly as his parents didn't know. He worked for a firm called Skylab and in that office there was a young lady named Andy. Her mom and dad were the pastors of a church, Celebration Church. Jay started going to church with her and with them. I can look back and I'm so grateful for Andy and for her parents because I do know that in those moments, at least what, what as two parents we could see, there was a great change in Jay's life because in that moment, the faith that we had tried to give him, the faith that we had tried to share with him, to teach him, in that moment, that faith had to become his. We all have to choose. We don't get to escape with no choice. So no matter what the background, no matter what the story, we all have to choose. And I want to tell you, today, this is a day of choice. This is as good a day as any day to make a choice. I want to read to you a scripture. I'm going to start in Deuteronomy chapter 30. If you want to go there with me. I love this passage. This is Moses speaking to the children of Israel, the second generation. The first generation has already died according to what God had said would happen when they refused to enter into the promised land. This is Moses giving instruction to the next generation as they prepare to go across the Jordan and into Canaan, into the promised land. I'll begin reading in verse 10. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law. If thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all your heart and with all your soul, for this commandment which I give you this day is not hidden from you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who shall go for us to heaven and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that thou should say, who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very nigh unto you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart that you may do it. See, I have set before you this day life and good and death and evil. In that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou may live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless you in the land whether thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou will not hear, but shall be drawn away, or worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that you should surely perish, and that you shall not prolong your days upon the land, whether thou pass over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth, listen to this profoundly, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, Blessing and cursing, therefore choose life that both you and your seed may live, that you may love the Lord your God and that you may obey his voice 
and that you may, may cleave unto him, for he is your life and the length of your days, that you may dwell in the land where the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Moses, in this giving of the law to that next generation, tells them that their parents' choices, their parents' rebellion, their parents' refusal must now be answered by their own choice. Think about that. The things that were said to you, the choices that other people made that affected you, some that hurt you, some that blessed you, some that ignored you, whatever your story is back there. And I tell you what, some of us, I think, had to pretend a long time that our stories were better than we wanted to ever let anybody know. But I want to tell you, just as it happened in this moment, Moses is telling him that all of those choices that your parents made, the rebellion when they refused not to go in, all of that has to be answered now by a choice that you're going to make. You don't get to escape a choice of your own. If you decide I'm not going to choose, you've already chosen. Here's the choice. And he puts it before them. Choice is an unbelievably powerful thing. We make many choices in a day. These that I'm talking about are the game changers. I get to choose today whether this is going to be a day of joy or sadness. Yet my circumstances may say sadness, check the box. But I have a choice to receive the joy of the Lord and let my cup run over with the joy he gave me. I can settle into frustration or I can let the love of God fill my cup and run over so that the people around me can experience the love of God. It's my choice. What my parents did, whether they blessed me or not, hurt me or not, their choices have to be answered today by mine. What are my choices going to say? And especially what are my choices going to say to the next generation? What am I choosing today? What are my choices today? Because I, I don't get to escape them. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. I love this statement. I love what Joshua said in this moment. He says, and if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I can remember growing up in this church and at different times hearing men stand, sharing a testimony. I can remember a few very specifically when men would stand, when things were going on in this church and they would stand and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I can remember those words kind of echoing through these same walls is those men would stand because they were making a pronouncement that says, I don't care what has happened. I don't care what's happening in the situation right now. As for me and my house, my choice is we will serve the Lord. You will watch me and will serve the Lord. You'll see me day in and day out and we will serve the Lord. The Lord will be first in our life. Joshua made that statement and he made it very clear. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How I long for this to settle over broken hearts who struggle to accept that freedom that's just one gift away. How I long for the message to be heard and accepted and for all reasons to fade in the reality that I have had the right to choose. I want to talk to you for just a second before we go about why. Why is this so important? Why is it important that we understand that this is our choice? Two things. 
I want to give you the heavy-handed one first. We have taught long enough, both from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 8, 9, and 10, from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 10 through verse 15, from Luke chapter 19, we teach the same thing, that every one of us someday, according to those scriptures, are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Every one of us as believers, the teaching that we've kind of always believed, I die, I go to heaven, that's the story. As much as that's true, that's not the fullness of the story. There's something in there called the millennial reign. There's something in there when Jesus comes and is given the the throne of, of David and he sits on the throne of Jerusalem and he rules over this earth as its king. There is a time period called the millennial reign. And that millennial reign changes the picture a little bit because every one of us as believers are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema. It's going to be our turn. And there will not be a determination in that moment whether we're saved or lost. There will only be saved people at at that judgment. What's going to be judged then? According to those passages, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 Corinthians 3, Luke chapter 19, what's going to be judged and looked at in those moments is what we have done with the life that God gave us. As Christians, what have we done with the life that Christ gave us? Now, this is not a a charge to go out and get busy so that our day will look better at the end of of our days. Because what God's going to be looking for in that moment when we stand before the judgment seat is can he see him in us? He's not going to see whether we were busy or not. He called those filthy rags. What does he want? He wants us to choose today and every day for him to come live in me so that he can accomplish through me only those things that he could do in the first place. But I have to to make a choice once to accept him as my savior and a choice every day to let him be my Lord, to let him live through me to accomplish. Because that day when I'm standing before him, he doesn't want to see me and how busy I was. He's not going to run down the list and see how many people that I talked to or how many people were in my office. He's going to look at one thing. and, And when he looks at me and in that review, how much of him does he see in that story? There's an accountability for this life. And so we can pass it off and say, well, I've been mistreated. Things have not gone well for me. I haven't received what I thought I was supposed to get. I didn't get to be the captain of the football team. I didn't get to be prom queen. I didn't get to do all those things. I didn't get to graduate from college. I didn't get those things. And I can look back and I can point to everything, but God's going to ask about the reality. I gave you the privilege of choosing me in all of those moments. When I thought about Amanda's testimony and the desperate moment when she finally came to the reality and and out of that car and on her knees, I wondered how many times before that, in a much more gentle and subtle way that God had come to her asking her that same question and how many times she had said no and all of that that had finally brought her to this moment of desperation. I don't know. I didn't ask her. But I do know for myself, when I finally make the choice, I realize how many times God had approached me, asking me, leading me, guiding me, and how many times I'd answered that question with a no until he brought me to the place where I would actually say yes. There's a great consequence for us. There is an accountability for this life. It's not not exactly what as believers we want to hear. And I know that it's as believers, not what many of us heard growing up. But I can show you in the scripture page after page, story after story, the reality of what happened in that day when Jesus comes again and it's our turn as believers to stand there. 
I would encourage you to consider that as you consider what Joshua said. And, but as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. I choose this day whom I will serve. I will serve the Lord. Let me tell you the second reason why this is so important. Because God so designed us when we make that choice that says, I choose you. Our life is filled with the goodness of him. I want to tell you that I have not regretted a single day, nor I say I would probably speak for all of us here. I've not regretted a single day when I chose him. I don't look back with a single regret on any day when I was saved when I was eight years old or the many days afterwards when I chose God to let him be Lord of my life. I can't look back on a single day with a moment of regret when I made that choice. I can tell you I feel very differently about those moments when I look back and see my life when I made the choices and I chose to be Lord of my life. I made that choice. I can tell you I have many regrets about those days, but I've never once regretted letting him lead and be the Lord of my life. Because every day we choose to do that is a day full of him, a full of his love, a full of his goodness. We talked about it in Bible study this morning. John, unusually calling himself within the gospel of John four different times, calling himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. And I couldn't understand it for many, many years until one day I heard a preacher preach on this and realized what he was talking about. That the other disciples were trying to say to God, this is how much we love you. Trying to say to Jesus, we love you. Peter trying to say to Jesus, I won't let anybody harm you. I won't let anybody touch you. I'll stand with you because Jesus, I love you. And here's John calling himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Well, I want to tell you, John discovered something. It was a life changing something. Because Peter was trying to say, and he, I mean, he stood up and he cut off Malchus's ear. What happened a few hours later? What was Peter doing? Yeah, he was denying him three times. John, however, who realized that the greatness in this life is not saying to God, I love you because he knows how much we love him. You can't fake that out. A bunch or a little, he knows. But the greatness in this life is finding within us, finding within the human capacity, the ability to let God fully love us. Did it change anything for John? Where do we find him standing? When the others are running and hiding in fear, where do we find John standing? He's at the foot of the cross. And Jesus is telling John, take care of my mother. We find John at the tomb. We find John present in those moments because he understood that to let God love him was life changing because I don't have to hide. I can stand at the foot of the cross and love the Lord that is dying for me in that moment. And I can make the promises that he made because he understood that letting God love him, choosing that changed everything. You have set before you today, every one of us do, this privilege that God gave us in the name of free will to choose. I set before you this day, this choice, life and death, goodness and blessing. I just plead with you, Moses talking to this next generation saying, please choose life, choose goodness, choose God, not just today, choose him, let him be, let him do, let him go, let him live the way he wants to live through you. Let me read that one challenge one more time and we're going to wrap this up. I'm back in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. Feel the weight of this. As if God were saying this over us today, which I want to tell you, if he's going to give this message, he is. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. 
Therefore, choose life that both you and your children may live. Choose life. What will the consequences be? Amazing for you. And it will visit blessings upon your children and your children's children. It will bless you and it will bless them. I don't know why God prompted this lesson for today, except I do know this. I know like most situations that there's a group of people sitting in here who by their attendance is saying, I love the Lord. Who's saying by your attendance here and your presence here saying, I want God to know that I love him and I want to receive the love of God. I know that to be true. But also know that there's, for most believers sitting here and through most churches, that most of us sit almost in a place of inactivity, a place of complacency, feeling neither the impulse to go or the impulse to do or the impulse to reject and to walk away. We kind of sit in a benign place with neither determination or interest, still being drugged down by those things of our past, the hurt that's back there. Saved, yes. Encumbered by brokenness and heartache, yes. And it's kind of crippled you. Or because of things in your past that it's like, it's caused me to be timid. It's caused me to be reserved. And God's saying, yes, but I've given you a voice. I've given you a witness and I'm calling you to use it. There's a lot of different ways here to say yes to God in this moment. I can't evaluate your situation, but God can. God knows where you sit. God knows where you're stuck. And he's saying today, I want you to choose today. I want you to choose life. I want the impassionate to become passionate. I want the disinterested to become interested. I want the lack of faith to become faith. I want your passion. I want your focus. I want your attention. And I want you to choose me today. Because what I have for you, you can't even imagine. What I have in store for you, your mind can't quite capture. What I have for you will absolutely bless you beyond blessing. And God's promising those things to you today. Choose life. Choose him. He just says today, choose me and see that I am good. Choose me and recognize my grace and my goodness. I set before you an opportunity and I want you to choose today. If you need to come and tell me, you don't have to tell me much. Just tell me today that you choose life. Tell me that you choose in your life something that you haven't chosen before. If you want me to pray for you, I will, or you can go back to your seat. If you have a word of testimony that you want to come and share and say, I was there and I chose and I've watched God bless me. I can see those stories all around this sanctuary. This is a day of choice that God has set before you. And he's encouraging you to choose life. Lord, we come to you this morning, recognizing that you gave this message very specifically because you know the condition of every heart. You know those that are believing and trusting and putting their faith in what they're hearing. But it's been very difficult for them to take that step of faith and let it become out of them as it has been going into them. You know those hearts and I pray, Lord, that this would be a day of choice for them and they would choose the freedom a mouth that would sound like a trumpet in this world that they've taken in and it's time for it to go out. I know, Lord, there are people here whose lives are still hung from the events of last year and of five years ago and 10 years ago. And they were real and they were painful. But I pray, Lord, today would be a moment, a breakthrough moment because you're giving an opportunity to choose. 
And I pray, Lord, that you would make that opportunity real in every story today, whether they come to the front and tell me or where they stay where they are and tell you. I pray, Lord, that they would choose life on this day and that it would begin to be evident in every day of their life that they have chosen today what their life will be like for the rest of their days. That's what Moses was encouraging the children of Israel to do as they were going into Canaan to face enemies. He was telling them, it all hangs in this day. Our parents' choices, the the rebellion that they chose when they wouldn't go in, he's saying it's answered today by your choice and by your answer. And he's encouraging them, choose life, choose victory, choose the promise, and let's enter in together. Lord, we thank you that you have brought us to this moment of choice. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.